0: This episode of the Global Franchise podcast is brought to you by ScentHound, a unique wellness-focused dog grooming concept with exclusive franchise territories available in key US markets. Learn more at ScentHound.com. Welcome to the Global Franchise podcast, bringing you insightful conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm Kieran McLoone, deputy editor for Global Franchise magazine. I mean, the government stimulating us
1: and giving us the money for our past debts and to get us armed is wonderful. But if they don't get our employees back, all of that money is meaningless. We can't serve our product. So if we want to be ambitious, I plead to the government to understand we are now coming out of this. It's time to go back to work. Let's reduce the unemployment benefits to normal levels so our employees come back. We're ready to hire them.
0: American urban sociologist, Ray Oldenburg introduced the idea of the third place, which is a social gathering hub and a nexus for human interaction. For John Taffer, distinguished hospitality expert and host of the popular Bar Rescue TV show, the third place isn't just a nebulous concept, It's Taffer's Tavern, John's new restaurant franchise that launched last November in Georgia and has since seen tremendous interest from multi-unit developers looking for the next big thing. To live up to these expectations, John has done everything he can to position Taffer's Tavern as the bar of the future. This includes a complete overhaul of how we see back of house operations, as well as numerous tweaks and inclusions which make the customer experience a wholly positive one. But how do you go about reinventing a model that's existed for hundreds of years? And how does this reinvention coincide with the restaurant industry's rocky return following the pandemic? We sat down with John to talk about this and why he thinks Taffer's Tavern will spearhead the future growth of this industry. During COVID-19,
1: I did over 8 billion media impressions from my home bar, talking about the effects of COVID on the industry, forecasting what would happen to the industry. So I think I dove in pretty deeply uh, probably more deeply than most restaurant owners as far as knowledge. I'm also on the board of one of the major hospitals here in America. So I got good medical information and and I worked very, very hard on understanding COVID, its duration, its impact on the industry, its long-term behavioral and sociological effects upon us, you know, what would linger and what wouldn't. So I'm gonna I'm gonna venture to say, uh, uh without sounding outrageous, that I probably had a greater global understanding. Of the situation than most basic restaurant tours did. Uh, Taffer's Tavern was launched before COVID creatively. And when Taffer's Tavern was created, it was me looking at the casual restaurant sector and saying it is unsustainable. Minimum wages were going up to $15 an hour. In some states here in the U.S., that was a 600% payroll increase where there's tax credits. We had no labor pool available two years ago, you might recall. One of the biggest problems in our industry was finding labor. Mm. And then the third element is a lot of the labor candidates that were available were in many cases new Americans, which is wonderful, but they had limited language capacity. So training them became a challenge. So when I looked at those three, factors, no employees, $15, hard to train. I said, it is unsustainable. So I said to myself, could I create a casual dining restaurant with a full menu that runs 60% less labor costs than any other casual dining model in the industry? Could I use robotics and computers and combi ovens and food technologies and preparation technologies? Could I accomplish that? So that's how Taffer's Tavern started two and a half years ago. So I went on a quest to create a kitchen that was incredibly safe. Anybody who watches me on TV knows I go nuts (laughs) over sanitation things. uh, That's the one thing that takes me over the edge that would be safe and provide this labor efficiency through computerization and robotics. Of course, the byproduct of that because it's all so systemizes incredible consistency. Mm. So with that background, now COVID hits right before we're opening our first restaurant, maybe six, eight months, we're about to build it. Sure. And we realized that, hold on, we're not dealing with raw proteins. We don't have the prep levels. We have no stove, traditional stove. We have no hoods. We have about a third to counter space of a regular kitchen. I said, son of a gun. We created probably the safest kitchen in a COVID world that could exist. So then we took it to the next level and created the TAFR Safe Dining System. We put Path Spot hand scanners in that actually scan your hands for viral and bacterial content. If you fail, you go back to the sink and you wash again. We put in unbelievable contactless facilities. We put in a puck unit in the exterior wall of the restaurant with lockers so it's contactless pickup for delivery services as well as to go customers. I mean, we put sanitation systems in place with a certification a shield that goes on every table before you sit down, certifying that we've sanitized that table. So I was extremely confident that we would build the trust with the consumer of our sanitation practices to support the opening of the restaurant during the COVID crisis. And again, I'm sorry for the long answer, but there was a lot leading up to me saying I was confident. And those are the reasons why I was
0: yeah no that's really great to hear and it you know it's great that that confidence is as you say founded on so much not only experience but pre-planning that has made you guys really ready for you know both the pandemic and now as we hopefully transition out of that um and you touched on there one of the things i just wanted to dive a little further into is one of the recent announcements or uh, evolutions innovations for the brand is this through wall contactless locker system Um, And do you think that features such as this and, of course, your Taffer's safe dining system, you know, are these the kind of things that are really essential for bringing people back to restaurants, either Taffer's Tavern or just the scene in general, um, rather than if restaurants just return to the same pre-COVID mentality and expectations?
1: You know, it's interesting. And and when we take a look at the kind of things that are going to linger, you know, what are the behavioral changes that happen after the COVID? You know, I, I'm fortunate in my consulting work, I get to work with large restaurant chains and even hardware chains and hotel chains and others. You know, the premise of curbside delivery is not going away. People like it a lot. Yeah. The premise of ordering on your phone, driving up in front, they throw it in the trunk of your car, and you're on your way. That's not going away. That's a behavioral element that's going to linger, which means we as retailers, whether we're in a restaurant business or whether we're in, in another product base, still have to provide the conveniences that are going to be required or demanded by the marketplace following COVID. An effective curbside, effective delivery, and Good packaging and all the elements that go with effective delivery, safety seals, et cetera, all of those things are going to linger on. So when we look at that puck system and our delivery locker system, and what puck is, is it's a bunch of lockers that almost look like the old airport lockers. And there's nine of them. And we, from the inside of the restaurant, can open the locker door. Put our, our safety-sealed, sanitized food product in this locker and close the door. And the consumer or the delivery driver simply holds their phone up to it with their QR code. And the proper door pops open. They take the bag. Now, we have a driveway there. So you drive right up to it. You get your food. You get in your car and you leave. Convenience like that's going to matter at the end of COVID. Mm. And we as restaurants need to understand that we need organized curbside, we need organized ordering systems, we need to make certain things ready on time. You know, I did a piece on Fox News months ago, 28% of third party delivery drivers, this is not my research, this was a serious research project by Fox News, 28% of delivery drivers either eat or tamper with your food. That's a fact. That's yeah, a shocking statistic. Over 50% think of it. So safety seals are very, very important when we look at the process of protecting the food from your facility uh, to the home or to pickup. So the answer is yes, I think these things are going to last and be important in our future.
0: Right. It sounds like as well as uh, safety and sanitation, you've really got convenience nailed as well, which is a fundamental thing, as you've touched on, that consumers are going to be looking for. Um, and if we could dive into Taffer's Tavern a bit deeper, John, uh, the, the brand, of course, sports the tagline, a bar is a bar, but a tavern has a soul. Um, and I was wondering if you could kind of unpack what those two, you know, how do you distinguish between those two things and how is Taffer's Tavern living up to the latter of having that soul? It's interesting.
1: uh, To me, soul is a depth of being, if you will. The second public building built in America was a bar. The first public building built in America was a church, logically. Mm. That second public building, that bar, which was then called the public house, was where state lines were created, where militias were formed, where the Revolutionary War was discussed, where our first corporations like Brunswick and companies like that were first created and discussed. You know, they're the fiber of a community. There's a British philosopher whose name escapes me at the moment, who talked about the coveted third place. We have home, we have work, and then we have that coveted third place. It's part of our fiber. It's the place where we go with some regularity. It could be twice a month, three times a month, could be three times a week, but with some regularity because it has a a connectivity to us. When we look at a tavern, to me, the way I judge that connectivity is is threefold. Obviously, the way people react when they walk through the door of the environment. The second is how they interact with products. Do they try different things when they come, right? Are they involved in the environment, not coming for one particular food item? How is their immersification into the menu? The third element I look at is length of stay. Taffer's Tavern runs about a two-hour length of stay. We run a well over 50% beverage sales. Everybody who comes to Taffer's Tavern who eats, almost everyone gets a cocktail. The cocktail program is quite elaborate in presentation, and and of course, you get photographs of those. Uh, uh, So we're creating a length of stay and an immersion with product that proves out the point that they're enjoying being there. They're not coming to eat and leave. They're not running in and running out. They're enjoying being there. Mm. And when we enjoy being in a place that has a connectivity to us, it becomes part of a community. That's the soul that I'm referring to. An environment that you want to stay in. You almost get another drink just because I'm enjoying myself. I don't even want the drink, but I'll be sociable to continue the environment that I'm in. And we've been successful. The numbers bear us out. Uh, Taffer's Tavern has a great length of stay, a tremendous repeat factor. Almost everybody I talk to has been there before. So, So I think we're bearing out that premise of what soul is.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, even p- for people like myself who maybe haven't had the opportunity yet to attend a, a Taffer's Tavern location, you can immediately understand what you mean when you say it's about the difference between grabbing a drink versus, you know, going for an experience, going for a lengthier session. Um, and uh, just a couple of things you've you've mentioned in the past that really stuck out to me with regards to uh, your entire career, but obviously relating to Taff's Tavern, is that um, bars are here. Uh, their function, their main function, is to create a reaction. Uh, and another sort of key takeaway I've got from you is how you've said that your your team may provide great opinions, both you know with the developing of Taff's Tavern and but more in a general sense. But customer feedback, you know, that's a fact. That's what brands live and die by. Um, and on that note, I was wondering what the response has been to Taff's Tavern so far. You know, what kind of reactions have you experienced from your customers?
1: Well, you know, we worked very, very hard. There is no white plates in Taffer's Tavern, not a one. (laughs) So we worked very hard on plate presentations, product height, colors. I mean, I took it to the next level. I actually own the term reaction management. And it's a topic from my first book and I trademark it. I live by the credo. You know, when a plate of food hits the table, one of two things happens. Either you sit up, And you react to it Mm. or you don't. (laughs) It's as simple as that. I create food and drinks in Taffer's Tavern that cause you to look at everybody else's plate and to visually react to the food. Next, flavor profile. Well, our cocktails, our presentations, all of these things are developed with the goal of not satisfaction, the goal of reaction. And the premise is we don't want to create a transaction; we want to create a reaction. <laughs> that's that's the way we look at at, at our business. So, uh, uh, in Taffers Tavern, the the the, the presentation of products, uh, uh, the interaction of staff, all of these things are designed to create a, a a depth of connectivity. You know, I think the customer speaks the loudest when they come back. Right. And uh, we're running about. Uh, oh, uh, uh, I'm going to guess. 85% at any point of the restaurant has been there before. So when we're running that massive of a number, it's interesting. And I was there just the other day and I was popping from booth to booth and talking to everybody. And the next factor that meant a lot to me was that people came back a second and third time and brought somebody with them. That's a, almost a written endorsement. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah, that's
0: very strong endorsement.
1: So we, we like to be what I call belly to belly with the customer. We really want to talk to the customer. We want to get that customer feedback. Again, you said it earlier, Keen. you know, when I say it, it's an opinion. When they say it, it's a fact. And and, uh, we want to hear what those reactions are. I'll tell you a funny story. Years ago, when I used to own big nightclubs, I used to actually pay somebody to sit in the ladies' room, a girl, of course, in one of the stalls with a clipboard. And she would write any negative comments about the nightclub on that clipboard. And I found that when you spoke to customers out in the nightclub, they told you what you wanted to hear. But what women say to women in the bathroom is gospel. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm a nutcase for information. I want to know what people think. I want to know what they feel. I want to watch their face as they take that first bite. I focus on trying to receive and understand their reactions so that i can manage the business better and and that's the mentality that we created taffers tavern with
0: yeah, no that's that's a really um important note I think is that you know uh, your your colleagues and everyone else will tell you that everything is great but ultimately if a consumer doesn't like it then a brand isn't going to survive. Um but it sounds like you've you've really got that nailed down John. Uh, and one of the one of the things you mentioned there about you know the the uh, experience when a food when the food comes to your table, I imagine a big contributor to nailing that every time is as you touched on earlier that uh, Tafas safe dining system and what goes on in the back end of the Tafas tavern locations. Um, would you be able to kind of detail for our audience and maybe franchisees who aren't aware of what, how, how unique the Taffa safe dining system is, because it is, you know, you've said yourself before, you're kind of designing the kitchen of the future. Um, could you unpack for our audience, what that actually means for an opera from an operational perspective?
1: Sure. You know, uh, when I went on a quest of, could I create, you know, a grateful service tavern and, and let's start with food technology. And I'm going to say something that's powerful and some people don't like when I say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Make no mistake, the future of our industry is not chefs. The future of our industry is technology. Right and commissary kitchens. And understanding that the expense and, and inconsistencies of developing restaurants, and programs uh, at, lo- at a localized level does not serve a national brand very well at all. So when we take a chef out of the picture and we replace it with technology, there's a certain level of consistency that happens. But it has to happen with the product coming in. So I worked in test kitchens all over the country for over a year creating Taffer's Tavern and wound up on a sous vide product basis. And when you study sous vide, of course, the definition is vacuum cooking, but sous vide will take a very high quality piece of meat that we spec, farm every aspect of it. It's spec very tightly. It's put in a special plastic bag and it's cooked to temperature in a water oven. Meat, let's say we're cooking at medium rare to 135, 140 degrees. That's what we're doing. It's brought to exactly 140. The appropriate temperature, 135 degrees in that water oven, exact medium rare. It's seasoned, it's cooked in its own juices, and if you were to Google sous vide, one of the first things that would pop up is Michelin chefs. So this is a very high quality cooking system. Now that sous vide steak, which is cooked to a perfect medium rare, is then sent to the restaurant. It's refrigerated or frozen based upon the product that it is. It's then sent to the restaurant. In the restaurant, that sealed, perfectly cooked medium rare from just the ranch, just the speck, just the seasoning, exactly how we specked it, is then taken out of its wrapper and put into a computerized combi oven. Now, that combi oven uses several different cooking techniques within the same oven. There's one cooking technique that chars the outside of that meat perfectly. There's another cooking technique that warms the middle to just the right temperature. And then, literally, four to six minutes later, that steak comes out as delicious a steak as you've ever had. Flawlessly prepared, exactly medium-rare. Now, if you order it medium, that's simply a different setting on that combi oven, and the steak is brought up to medium. So, it's a flawless cooking technique using a flawless product base. So what comes out the other side, first of all, comes out in six minutes. Uh, There is no ticket time longer than than six Mm. minutes for us. It comes out with virtually no human contact, and it's flawlessly consistent. So that's in in a short, short uh, uh, way. Now, we have fryers uh, in a restaurant. We do have fish and chips and items like that. Those are fascinating because we sous vide the fish. So it's tender and juicy and just unbelievably delicious. And then it's breaded and then it is fried in a contained fryer system that we use uh, that, that has its own fire control and hooding system within it. So it's crisp, but man, the tenderness inside. So I think we've mastered the way of using this technique of cooking and bringing it to the masses. I'm really proud of it. Some of my greatest pleasures, candidly, uh, are this past week when I was at the restaurant, a number of CEOs came in from a large national brands that we all know well, but I won't mention friends. And I toured them all through the kitchen. And it was Saturday night at prime time. Restaurant was packed. And when you walk in that kitchen, there's three people. It's quiet. It's calm. There's no chaos. It is so calm. It freaked the other CEOs out. So there's a real efficiency and a calmness to this process. There's mm. no freaking out in the kitchen. It's, it's just worked out incredibly well for us. And we run a full house on two cooks, sometimes three. And uh, uh, we're very proud of the economics as well as the food.
0: Yeah, I mean, the idea, as you mentioned, of removing chefs from a kitchen may initially appear like a very controversial one. But when you've got the kind of reactions you have and you have the kind of repeat custom that you've had with Taffer's Tavern, you know, you can't really argue with that. That is, that is, as you say, you know, the ultimate endorsement.
1: Our job is to put great food on a plate that creates a reaction. Mm. And, and, and how we get there is going to change years from now. Is there even going to be a human in a kitchen? Look, you know, I, I, we have we're dealing with that with a number of chains right now. So we're in an industry that is evolving. And at some point, probably not in my lifetime, but at some point, there will be no humans in that kitchen. We need to understand that's the ultimate extreme on the other side. All of us are going to be forced to move in that direction with introducing combis and robotics and different types of cooking systems and technologies. Those who don't are going to get left behind. But anybody who's building, in my view, a casual dining concept you know, built on a traditional kitchen today is going to be economically destroyed, Uh, uh, not to mention consistency, supply side and other issues.
0: Sure. So as well as the, the safest dining system, you've got the ultimate future-proofed one as well in the industry. We do, yeah. um, John, as well as your extensive career in hospitality, a lot of people will of course know you from the Bar Rescue TV series. Um, and I was curious to know whether there were any uh, bars or restaurants or case studies you've encountered throughout your filming of the series, which have either in the past guided your ideas around the creation of Taffer's Tavern, or perhaps things that have completely dissuaded you from going down certain paths.
1: You know, I have a very unique background. I've owned my own consultancy since 1986. I've owned many, many restaurants, nightclubs, bars, concert venues. As a consultant, I've consulted to the largest hotel companies in the world, the best hotel companies in the world. Ritz-Carlton has been a client of mine. Marriott has been a client of mine, Intercontinental Hotels. Fridays has been a client of mine. Home Depot has been a client of mine. So I have Mm. a very unique background. I've done everything from snack bars to, to, to Five Diamond restaurants. I've created Asian concepts, European concepts, concepts that have come out of my own head. I've gotten to work on things like Rainforest Cafe and other very innovative environmental and proactive environmental concepts and such. So I come at this with an experience base that's different than anyone I've ever met. You know, I have dear friends that run Fridays and they've opened hundreds of them, but it's the same restaurant they've opened hundreds of times. I've opened hundreds of different kinds of restaurants, literally hundreds of different kinds of restaurants. I remember being in Hong Kong, creating Caliparisian cuisine, not knowing even what the hell it was, but we put California and French, Paris, Caliparisian. <laughs> I remember, I remember years of creating concepts, uh, uh, uh such as Juan Corleone, where he had a Mexican mother and an Italian uh, father, and he created a restaurant of the best cultures of both. Welcome to Juan Corleone's. And, you know, so I come from a concept background. I come from a background of trying things and creating things. And then you look at Bar Rescue. I just finished my 200th episode last week. Every episode, I can't do chicken wings every time. I can't do burgers every time. So we got to come up with new drink recipes, 2,000 drinks we've come up with in Bar Rescue over the years. So I'm a kind of guy who has a very unique exposure. So I took all of that experience, the successes and the failures. And in my head, you know, I retain these things. So Taffer's Tavern, I, I said this to my wife when we were there the other night having dinner. It's the best I've ever done. It really does employ everything that I've learned over my 30 plus years and and hundreds, if not thousands of concepts that I've worked with. So I I would venture to say, and and, and I'm I'm gonna challenge people to prove me wrong. I'm gonna venture to say that the detailing of product, presentation, environment, video programming, music programming, Everything is, is incredibly tight. I mean, we have something called Tavern TV, which we curated with Atmosphere Television. There's no guys sitting behind desks on our video system. It is truly entertaining and animated, and it fits the concept, and it's an asset for us, not a liability. Our music is a curated playlist that we worked on very, very carefully. It's delivered from a corporate office on internet to a special receiver built in a restaurant. The restaurant can't change that music program or modify that music program. So when I say detailing, I really mean detailing right down to the beats per minute that you're experiencing, the music type you're experiencing, what you're seeing visually and what you're tasting. It all comes together to create something special. And, and, you know, I think that detailing is second to none.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we've had another guest on the show who has quite as an experienced career as you. uh, And obviously that shows, you know, as you say, in the kind of meticulous nature that you've approached the creation of Taffer's Tavern. And I imagine that that kind of detailing is what is continuing to attract franchisees towards Taffer's Tavern. I mean, just this month, we're recording this in April. uh, You've signed another 10 unit development deal for Florida and Georgia. And um, I was curious whether, you know, can we, what can we expect from Taffer's Tavern's growth as we move throughout 2021, hopefully come out the other end of the pandemic? Are we going to see a lot more deals like that? What's your strategy moving forward? Well, our strategy
1: is right now, we're not looking at any kind of one-off franchises. We're looking at, at significant territory deals with the significant operators who have the kind of operational base and resource base that's required to properly build out a territory. You know, it's interesting. It's a new brand. It's a new concept, but it's not a new brand. Uh, Last year, 118 million unique viewers watched Bar Rescue in the United States alone. It's also on 3,700 channels in about four four languages last time I looked around the world. So it's a pre-existing brand. When the market research uh, is done, it's in a culinary space. It's the most trusted brand of any other on-air culinary celebrity. Uh, um, and it's also rated, and I, I, I get embarrassed when I say this we get the ratings by all the market research as the most intelligent brand in all of the culinary space. So there's an inherent curiosity to go to Taffer's Tavern. So for us, uh, uh, you know, significant territories with experienced operators is our approach. And we've partnered with France Smart, who's coordinating the sales and a real estate end of our company, and that's going extremely well. So, so uh, we expect the, uh, a territorial announcement every month and and uh, now we're, we're we're we have a territory Boston is sold Washington area is sold uh, Georgia is sold now Florida is sold we're in discussions on Michigan and several other states we just made an announcement two weeks ago of a Las Vegas franchisee so so uh, uh, we're thrilled and and now we have all the infrastructure in place and all the resources in place to support these franchisees uh, we're eager to go to it
0: so very exciting times ahead for Taffer's Tavern. Um, the, the last thing I want to get your thoughts on, John, uh, were the, was the recently signed American Rescue Plan, which of course included nearly $30 billion or so, um, allocated to the restaurant industry specifically. Um, and whether there was anything else you'd like to see done by the Biden administration to ensure that as many restaurants and concepts as possible can make it out the other side of this pandemic.
1: Well, you know, I think, I think that materially and spiritually the, the intention of the Restaurant Act was a good one. I think the fact that, that it, it's, it's being administered by the SBA and it's happening very quickly, like the PPP plan did under the previous administration, the funds are going to come out pretty quickly. I think that's great. I think how they've earmarked the funds for back rent or mortgage payments, right, for payroll and for those things as well. I think they've earmarked the funds properly. My only concern with what's happening now is more on the unemployment side. Right. I don't know if you've seen it, but, but national chains, we are all freaking out. Nobody's coming back to the work because of the enhanced unemployment benefits. And I find it interesting that right now, and I will be critical, right now the federal government is giving us the fuel to reinvigorate the restaurants. I'm close to a company called Shift4, who's the largest payment processor for the restaurant industry here in the United States. And two weeks ago, New York City went up 61% in one week in revenues. That's terrific. I mean, the mm. government's stimulating us and giving us the money for our past debts and to get us armed is wonderful. But if they don't get our employees back, all of that money is meaningless. We can't serve our product. So if we want to be ambitious, I plead to the government to understand we are now coming out of this. It's time to go back to work. Let's reduce the unemployment benefits to normal levels so our employees come back. We're ready to hire them. Las Vegas in two weeks goes 100%. Many cities are going 100%. We can't get our employees back. So as not untypical, it's a little too late for the government. (laughs) And we need to get that program reduced or started to fade it out. We need our employees back and we need them now.
0: Right. Well, that's a very strong note to end on. So thank you very much for joining us, John. It's been really great speaking with you about Taffer's Tavern and uh, yeah, wish you the best of luck moving forward this year. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. John's enthusiasm is infectious and he's clearly got both the experience and expertise to elevate Taffer's Tavern beyond a standard dining experience. His level of detail, down to the specific music choices that are played within Taffer's Tavern locations, showcase why the franchise model can be a very beneficial one to all those involved. John's franchisees are benefiting from his hands-on guidance, while attracting customers with the established Taffer name. All of this is built on his constant hunger for customer feedback. His anecdote about his nightclub management days really highlights this nicely. Ultimately, customers are going to be much more honest with each other than when questioned by an operator. Is this kind of reliable feedback that can really elevate a business or jeopardize it if it's ignored? We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. Has there been a time when a customer's opinion has had a tangible impact on your business? Make sure to let us know.
1: If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts
0: or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook
1: and LinkedIn today.